So as some of you know, I just returned from a family fishing vacation. I've been fishing since I was a really young girl, growing up in New Hampshire. We had no money, so we used parts of my dad's old bamboo fly rod with some sort of heavy green line that we just tied on. We added a bobber and a hook and some worms we dug up in the yard, and we were good to go. But I said we, I mean my sister and me. My brother had the real gear because he was, you know, a boy. My two younger siblings were way too young to be part of all this and to my way of thinking. They really missed out on some great times. The river ran behind our house, so we'd go there, or more often just jump on our bikes and ride to other places around town. I don't remember anyone ever being too worried about where we were going, whether or not we'd fall in or get a hook stuck in our thumb. All of these things happened at one time or another, but we tried to take care of them among ourselves, thinking that the less our parents knew, the better off we'd all be. I pretty much kept to the Bob Moore method fishing over all these years, but now I do my fishing from my kayak. I don't often catch the really big bass, but I catch a ton of big sunnies, perch, cats, random pickerel. Many times I've caught fish all day, while my big bass fishing companions have caught nothing. Sometimes they've caught a big bass or two. I won't say that didn't bother me just a little bit, but I generally felt it was a fair trade and great times. <coughs> this year, on vacation, I began in that same way, but I wasn't catching much of anything. Not catching the big fish is one thing. Not catching anything is something else altogether. The first day, I listened to George and our sons analyzing all the fish data. And it came obvious to me that the fish were near the bottom, and I'd never catch them. My barber would keep the hook too high in the water. I realized I needed to do something different if I wanted a chance at a big fish, or maybe any fish. I'd need to consider taking off the bobber and discarding the worm. It was even worse than that, though, because I have other rules, too. I only want one hook, so most lures are out. I don't want to hurt the fish any more than is necessary. I want to catch them and let them go as fast as I can. I like to be independent out there, too, so I need to tie on my own hook, I need to bait it, and I need to take off my own fish. Over time, George has given me many not tying lessons. One winter, he tied rope to our refrigerator door so I could practice over the winter. And did it. After many lessons, though, I've learned to do it pretty well. But how long? This would really be a test of my knot tying skills. What if the knot's not secure? Maybe I should have practiced more. If I'm honest, you could also add a bit of laziness to the trouble with knots and lures. The endless casting and reeling in and jigging and jogging and whatever can get a bit tiring. I won't even go into the likelihood of getting caught on the bottom when you let the hook sink all the way down. So still thinking about it, I looked down deep in my tackle box and found something I'd never used. It was a single hook thing called a jig. Here was an opportunity. Am I going to try something different, or am I going to stick with what I know best? If I do what I've always done, the sun would still be shining, the moons would still swim by, calling out in their great laughing way, 
a family would still be together after a long COVID separation, and I might catch a fish or two. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? But could there be something more? Should I try something different? I can tell you that as you sit alone, floating on the water in a kayak, there's room for lots of thoughts to come and go. One thought leads to another of seemingly unrelated matters. I've had that time and space for thinking. Thinking of a simple change and fishing preference and my reluctance to try something different reminded me of all the times in life we're called to do something different. Things big and small, some where choice is possible, and others where our preference will not be part of the decision. All we could control would be how we responded. Little things like, should I change my hair color? Should I try sushi? Big things like, should I take that new job? Or should I stick with what I know? How do I manage life after the loss of a loved one? Will I be brave enough and strong enough and smart enough? Do I believe in myself enough? Do I have faith, God, and friends and family will help me if I stumble along the way? What will different look like? What will it look like? I borrowed words from Dr. Seuss, Green Eggs and Ham. Even Sam Iam's unnamed friend eventually agrees to try the dreaded green eggs and ham. Remember, Sam, if you let me be, I will try them, you will see. Oh, I do so like green eggs and ham. Thank you, thank you, Sam Iam. Same or different. I remember a quote by someone unknown to me. It sounds like Oprah, but I don't know. If you keep doing what you've been doing, you will keep getting what you've been getting. If you want to get something different, do something different. Fish, belief, faith, different. There are four words that seem pretty unrelated, but they stuck in my mind. And thoughts began to move to the Bible and how fish and fishing are so often used to tell the story. What's the expression? WWJD. What would Jesus do? Remember a minute ago, Matthew chapter 4. Jesus returns from the temptation in the desert and begins his ministry by calling his first disciple. Let's listen again to verses 18 through 22. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Stay or go. Continue to repair the nets and fish with your father or follow Jesus. I imagine, even though the Bible doesn't spell it out, there was more to their decision. When Jesus came by and called to John and James, they were repairing nets with their father. Fishing is how they made their living. Should they worry about the knots they were tying in the nets, or should they answer Jesus' call? If they walked away to join Jesus, 
How would their family be able to continue to make a living? Did they already have a plan? Was their love of God more important than their love of family? Doesn't the Bible tell us to love one another and honor our parents? How did they know the time was right for them to go? Life-changing decisions are never simple. Make a safe choice or make a big change. Same or different. The first disciples took the challenge, dropped what they were doing, and left to follow Jesus. That kind of choice transformed the world. And how about Jonah? That's one of our favorite Sunday School Bible stories. Just the heading of chapter 1 gives you an idea of where this story is going. Jonah tries to run away from God. You don't need to be a Bible scholar to suspect that's not going to end well. Here's a bit of the story. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. God said, go this way. Jonah went that way. We all know what happened. The Lord created a mighty storm and the sailors were afraid the ship would sink and then drown. They threw all the cargo overboard to lighten their load, but that didn't help. They begged Jonah to call his God to save them. God continued the storm, and finally, the sailors threw Jonah overboard. The storm stopped, but Jonah was swallowed by a big fish. He stayed inside the fish for three days and three nights, praying to his God. In the end, God commanded the fish to spit Jonah out on the shore. Jonah then went to Nineveh and did as God had asked him. Here's more to the story, but you get the idea. When God called, Jonah had a choice to make. Listen and obey or run away. He made his choice. While we may think we'd respond with obedience if God called us, are we really so sure? Would we even hear? Jonah's disobedience helps us see God's mercy. God forgave him and gave him another chance. God saw the people of Nineveh repent, and he forgave them too. God's forgiveness is there for us as well. Are we afraid to try something different? And finally, in the 21st chapter of John, Jesus appears to set up his disciples after his resurrection. Here's a bit of that story. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two brothers of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. 
He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came to the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Fishing all night, no fish. In the morning, a man they don't recognize tells them to throw their net in the other direction. They could ignore him. After all, they're experienced fishermen. They've caught nothing after fishing all night, or they could do as he said. Stick to the same thing or try something different. Same or different fishing and life. I continue to think about these stories and about life and fishing, and here's what I think. In fishing and in life, trust your knots. They may loosen or tighten. You may get a tangle in your line, but hold on. You'll figure it out. Those knots will hold. The knots that connect you to God will hold too. Believe with your heart wide open. If the fish aren't biting, take off your bobber and let the hook dive deeply. It's where the big fish are. In life, dive deeply into caring and faith. It's where the big love is. Don't hold back because you're worried about getting stuck in the weeds. Cast up with all your strength. Do the same in your life. With the strength of your faith and belief in the goodness of God, love with your whole heart. So I've come full circle. What did I do? I tried something different. My reward was catching some of the biggest fish I've ever caught when fishing from my kayak. In the end, I heard some words in the air about a small pond in New Hampshire. Perhaps this time, when God was speaking, I was listening. May it be true for us all. Amen.